Okay, and welcome back, fourth and long fans. It's your AFL correspondent, Coach Donnie Hess here. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest. Normally, all the people who have listened to the first few episodes of this series, I usually get into a little bit of who I'm interviewing. But today, we have a very special guest coming all the way from Melbourne, Australia. One of the few Americans who I know of um, connected to the AFL is the Richmond football president, Miss Peggy O'Neill. Peggy, how are you doing? Thank you so much for doing this interview. It is such an honor to be able to talk with you today. Well, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Um, I'm doing fine. You know, premierships tend to make all the world look pretty rosy. So um, if you're involved with the Richmond Football Club right now and Tigerland, as we call it, um, all of Tigerland is pretty happy. Yes, three out of the four premierships can definitely make you very, very, very yes. happy. Yeah. So, so that is awesome. But um, just kind of going off of it. Um, so you're an American. You're in Melbourne, Australia. You're now part of the Richmond Football Club. But just a little bit about you before arriving into Melbourne. Kind of a little bit about who you were before you decided to up and relocate to Melbourne, Australia. Um, okay. Um, I was born in West Virginia and um, my father was a coal miner when I was born and we lived in little coal mining towns for my first few years. Um, uh, I then spent most of my schooling years from like grade five onwards in Virginia. We moved just across the border to it's still in the Appalachian coal fields, but in a slightly larger town it was 5,000 people instead of 25 people. Um, so, uh, so I grew up in that sort of uh, really uh, beautiful part of the country, uh, you know, four glorious seasons that you had. Um, and, uh, and I must say that being here in Australia now for 30 years, uh, when I get most homesick is when the seasons change because I can imagine what's happening back in uh, West Virginia and Virginia. So I went to Virginia Tech for undergraduate school and um, then went to the University of Virginia for law school and became a lawyer and practiced law in Virginia for a little while with a couple of firms. And um, I started really loving traveling. And um, on one of those trips, I met an Australian backpacker <laughs> in a bar in Greece. And a couple of years after that, we got married. And he was from Melbourne. And, and at first he thought he could live in the States, but I was still living in small towns and he missed the big city sorts of things. And so I said, well, okay, I'll give it a go. And uh, that was 1989, and, and I'm still here. Um, I had to get requalified to practice law, so I had to go to a year's law school here and um, uh, found a job sort of right away and um, worked at that firm for 20 years, and now I'm a consultant to another firm, and I've specialized in financial services law and what you would call pension law or employee benefits. I've done that here. Um, but I moved um, to the suburb of Richmond, um, which is where the Richmond Football Club is sort of headquartered and the Melbourne Cricket Ground is right next door. And um, so with that sort of uh, environment, you couldn't help but become interested in um, Australian rules football. And I was always a sports fan and, um, and many of your listeners will probably identify with, you know, small town life in America is much like small town life in Australia that a lot revolves around sporting club, you know, sporting teams um, and the church. And those are sort of the social activities. And um, so I was always a great fan of sport, but, but growing up 
where I did. And in that time, you know, girls didn't get to play much of anything. Uh, if there was one ground, that ground went to the boys teams. And, um, but we did have a, uh, at Grundy Senior High School, where I went to school, a high school, um, we did have an exhibition, couple of matches every year where the girls got to play um, gridiron, I'll call it, just to distinguish it from Australian rules football. And I was the quarterback and had great fun with that. And then when I went to Virginia Tech, there was an intramural competition, you know, touch football. And I did that for a little while and then academics sort of took over. But when I came to Australia, um, my father just loved all kinds of sport and I did all kinds of things with him, you know, played softball and those kinds of um, things and, and uh, bowling, he became a bowling champ. Then he took up golf and taught himself and became a you know, single digit handicapper. And he was just one of those guys who loved everything. And uh, so when I came here, it wasn't a big leap to just fall in love with, with Australian rules football. I remember my first game in person, just thinking, how big is the ground? <laughs> and how fast do they move? <laughs> and all shapes and sizes and how many people are on the ground at any one time. So, um, so I, I didn't have any problem at all in thinking, I want to see more of this. And, um, and living in Richmond, and I still live in Richmond, um, uh, I picked them as my team. And so little by little, got to know more about the sport and more about the club. That's an, an amazing story. So, so you, you marry in Australia and you move to Australia. So how is it that you get involved with the Richmond Football Club? I mean, you would think most Australians wouldn't want an, an American in it. So how did you kind of get involved in the Richmond Club? And how did you find yourself now the president of the Richmond Football Club? Oh, well, as I was saying, I enjoyed the sport and, uh, and within walk, I live within walking distance of the MCG where we played most of our games. And um, so I became a member and uh, you know, unlike uh, American sport, this, the, this sort of model over here is sort of a, a mutual where the, the members are like the shareholders and we don't have private ownership of sporting teams. Um, so I thought I'll become a member and support my local club because Richmond was going through terrible financial circumstances. And there was a, a threat in 91, 92, where I was just sort of becoming conversant with what was going on, um, uh, a threat that they might go under. And I thought, well, I'll support my local team. And, and, um, and then you find out once you get involved, well, you can get a better um, seat if you pay more for a membership and you can pay a little bit more and you get to go to these lunches or dinners. And so um, a little by little, I just sort of made the decision to uh, support the team as best I could financially and, um, and met a few people. Um, one of the things about sporting clubs, I think that maybe, you know, the general uh, population and, and organizations and institutions could, could learn from is um, they're pretty open to everybody. You know, if you support the team, there's a common purpose right away. Uh, and they might ask questions just as you did, how come an American is interested? Um, but when you're watching a great sport, it doesn't matter what your nationality is. So I think it gives outsiders like me a sense of what the country's about and what sort of matters. It also gives you uh, uh, an avenue or a, a tribe to belong to sort of right away. And, um, and right now you think you might have differences in lots of ways, but as soon as you find out someone's a Richmond supporter, well, you know, you're friends. And uh, so I think that a lot of that bringing people together is an important function of football clubs. 
so um, so no one really minded that what wherever you were from and infinity they wanted to learn more about uh, what do you how do you compare gridiron to strain rules uh, what do you think they're different and, and most most of the coaches and players here really like to watch NFL and I try to explain to them that college sport is really important in America, that if you don't live near a professional team, you support your local team and, and every, almost every town has one. And um, so that, that's a bit different. And then over time, I just, um, I was asked to join the board. Um, I think it's because I was just around a lot and I had legal training and I helped set up a, on a pro bono basis, a couple of um, documents that they needed to have done. and. So in 2005, um, I joined the board and I was the first woman that had ever been on their board. Um, now I'm proud to say we're uh, four out of nine women and, um, and nobody thinks about that as being anything we need to, to be so conscious of anymore because it just naturally happens. And, and as we know, if you get a critical mass of whatever it is, if it's women or, or ethnic minorities or whatever, then it just becomes part of the way you do business and it, you don't have to focus on it. And it just makes decision-making so much better. So um, anyway, so I went on the board in 2005 and I was on the board eight years. And then in 2013, uh, the board elects the president and they elected me. So in October, 2013, I, I became president of the Richmond football club. And here we are seven years later. <laughs> That's such a cool story. And, and, and another thing that I've kind of noticed too, in me being a Sydney Swan supporter, is how many Aussies just, you are the most fascinating thing in their life sometimes. Just, they're like, like, how did you get into it? They ask all the same kind of questions that I've even asked some of the Americans here because they're so fascinated that I've taken an interest in the game. And then I'll get up at 2.30 in the morning to watch a game. And they're like, man, your dedication is insane. But it's like, I've fallen <laughs> in love with the sport. It's hard not to. So, so and I had, a, I had a fun little one. Um, since, since you are the president of the, uh, the Richmond Football Club, kind of what is your daily life during the season is it, is it anything drastic is there anything like special you have to do or is it just kind of a an everyday job oh uh, well i'm a, a volunteer i'm not one of uh you know we have a ceo who who runs the place mm -hmm. uh great ceo great management team so i'm sort of like um i chair the board and we you know set strategic direction we worry about money all the time um, I talk to the CEO probably every day or every couple of days about what's going on or if he wants to chat through something wants to bring to the board and what do I think he needs to do to uh, get in a position to be accepted um, I do quite a bit of ambassadorial work which I was kind of surprised about how much time that takes but it's the most fun part which is um, speaking at sponsor events uh, going to member forums and chatting with them, uh, being on the radio, doing the media commitments. And, uh, and in fact, in finals, lots of times, the CEO and I sort of split media um, responsibilities so that the team is spared doing that. They have some they have to do. Um, but in the absence of getting Dustin Martin or Trent Cotchen or Jack Rewald, <laughs> they have to make do with me. Um, uh, so it's it's probably not counting game day, which is really sort of a full day of, I usually host a lunch or a dinner, depending on the time of day and if it's our home game. And we'll have, you know, 500 people for lunch and I make a speech and it's a lot of speech giving, which is that ambassador work. But when you've got a good story to tell, like we have right now, you think, 
doesn't come along often. Just make as many speeches as you can and talk about Richmond as much as you can. So probably a couple of days a week, I would say I devote to um, uh, the football club and then game day is, a, is another day. And, and if things are running smoothly, uh, it may be a day a week. So it's sort of whatever's necessary. You don't really sort of log in and, and count the hours, but I might be surprised if I did <laughs> uh, about how much time uh, is involved. But it's one of those labors of love. And, and you don't really sort of mind it when you're doing something that you feel is meaningful for the community. And if you're seeing how, how happy it makes so many people to have the club finally be on a, a stable footing and, and, and winning some premierships, which is what we're all about. Uh, and when you enjoy your when when you enjoy what you're doing, it makes it so much more fun too. And for you, it I does. bet it's probably just an absolute pleasure every day. So so now we've kind of gone from the boardroom. So now let's hop down a little bit onto the field. And I know this is always a fun question, and especially for you since you have so many connections. Um, it's almost like choosing a favorite child. Do you have a favorite player on the team, or is it is that one so hard to choose because you have such a good list over the last four years? Well, it, it's sort of everyone's your favorite, but who's your most favorite? I suppose you can answer it that way. Uh, and they're all the great players that after a while you sort of think, oh, we'd sort of take it for granted. I mean, you always love to see Dustin Martin play and I love to see Tom Lynch take the, you know, the big uh, marks. And, um, but a player that I have, have admired ever since we um, put him on the list after he was overlooked in a number of drafts and we moved up from the rookie list is um, Kane Lambert who uh, is just one of those, gives us all, does spectacular things when we need him to. In the preliminary final against Port Adelaide, he kicked two goals and we won by one. And he's, he's, his role is not to be the forward line, not to be the one kicking goals all the time, but he just pops up and helps out wherever he needs to. He's, uh, I would think um, in Damien Hardwick's words, you know, immensely um, coachable that he just does what he needs to do and help out the team. So, uh, so I always like to see him have a good game because I know how hard he's worked to get on the list and now he's just paid us back and in multiples of the time that we invested into him. Uh, but beyond that, um, I do like to see Dustin Martin kick four goals in a grand final. <laughs> So, so you and all of the, the Richmond Army, I have to admit that that guy is amazing to watch in grand finals. Each and every time he's made it there, he's been absolutely impressive. So, so since you're being in an Australia and a little bit different than some of the people that I've had chatted to, you've actually seen games live. So I'd love to know what's one game that you've seen live that if you could go back and do it and watch it again live, what, what would it be? Uh, outside of grand finals. <laughs> it all, that's uh, up to you. I'll leave it up to you. Um, well, one game that uh, it was my first year as first season as president. So it was 2014 because I became president in October 2013. Season was over. So it was the 2014 season and we got off to a slow start. And I must say, we seem to have a habit of doing that. It's always a bit of catch up. I've talked to the coach and said, come on, please just put us... <laughs> And everybody does their best, but there've been all these circumstances. Anyway, we had played finals in 2013 for the first time in 12 years. And we didn't win that final, but um, everybody was so excited that maybe we finally have a team that's going to continue to compete. Uh, so 2014 comes along and we just weren't very good. Um, it, it was taking a while to get going. 
And so we had to win nine games in a row to make it to finals, just to get into the eight to play a final. And the last game we played uh, that we had to win, we'd won eight in a row. So it's, a, it's the tension of the last game and it was in Sydney and we flew up to Sydney and Sydney was in the top four at the time and we won. And we had to repel their, their attack again and again and again. And Alex Rance, the fabulous All-Australian for us who retired last year, um, was just heroic. So that, I think, is, is always um, something I turn my mind to. And again, we got into finals, went to Port Adelaide, lost that game. But it was sort of a, you know, maybe we're more consistent. You know, we're 2013, we got into finals. 2014, we got into finals. And... And I remember the coach saying, well, you got to keep getting in them before you start. You know, you want to win right away, but mm -hmm. you've got to get the feeling and you got to keep proving to yourself that you can get there, you can get there. And, um, and I, I re recollected, I thought, so this is what it feels like. <laughs> People who play finals get to have some, do something else in September besides just uh, watch replays of, of other games. So, so that's a very memorable game. Probably winning... Um, the qualifying final in 2017 against Geelong mm -hmm. is another one because we had had not a very good record against Geelong at all, and we were playing them, and we'd had we'd had a good season, and we were we were playing them at the MCG, and we were just on. We just played so well, and we knew we were going to be in a preliminary final after that. And then we played GWS in the preliminary final one-handedly, and then that was our first grand final. But I think that Geelong game was quite significant in saying, we've got something here. Yeah, and all great games too. And, and just the success of your club over the last six years has just been absolutely amazing to see just going from a team that was having trouble getting into the finals to now being just an absolute almost dynasty to to be honest with you. So we kind of already discussed it. Another flag for your another flag for your boys this year. Um, but I mean what were your kind of thoughts on the season? I know it was kind of just crazy with COVID and the hubs and all the movement and then some of the issues off off um, off the field were a little bit crazy for, for your club this year. So kind of what are your thoughts on, on this year's team um, and kind of the, the, the able to pull up your bootstraps and, and get another flag for the, for the Richmond Army? Um, well, I, I was interviewed about this before we won, and uh, this was probably toward the end of the, of the regular season in August. And um, I said, whoever wins, this will be the hardest earned flag. Um, when I think about the season, it, 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 as president's gone from being so close to what happened to the fact that everyone was in hubs in Queensland to being so removed from what happened and you realize, start to miss that day-to-day -day interaction you have just by everybody being on the street besides COVID and Victoria, the state where Melbourne is, um, was in lockdown for a very long period of time. Um, so it wasn't as if there was any other social things going on. So football was very important. Once it started broadcasting again in, um, in June, and uh, at one point we had a game every day for 27 days or something like that, um, that that gave the community something to talk about besides the virus. So I think football was really important from a, a community and even a mental health aspect that you could remove yourself from the daily messages about 
protecting yourself, the death toll, the people in hospital, uh, people were coping with a great deal. Uh, the team did really well. I often wonder what it would be like to spend 110 days with all the people you work with <laughs> because you're actually in, in not just showing up for work and going home, you're living with them and you're eating meals with them and you're having to um, find ways to entertain yourself and get along at the same time. When, um, But in the end, the hub proved to be quite good for us as a team. Uh, the thing we prided ourselves on is developing this great connection between not just the team, but the whole club. And while uh, a great deal of the club, the management, the sponsorship, all that, just football and the football department moved to the hub, it, um, I think it held us in good stead. And being in the hub, we could sort of, uh, I guess, strengthen those ties and that bond. And I think that sort of came to the fore when we needed it to. So um, I think it showed a great deal of mental and physical resilience, one, to play football that often. And then secondly, to keep focused when I would say everybody who was in the hub had family members back in Melbourne or in Western Australia or South Australia who were um, doing it tough with COVID and you weren't there to support them and they weren't there to support you. So it, it was it was hard earned. I, I didn't know it'd be us in the end who, who were the victors, um, but I, I would think this is our hardest earned flag. Yeah, definitely with just everything that went on and every team had a little bit of issue, whether it was the hub, whether it was the travel and all that. So it was, it was definitely one of those to see Richmond pull an amazing, an amazing run and, and get to the finals and, the, and then win the whole thing in, in a great grand final. The final score may not have been as indicative as the way the game was, but it was such a great game to watch even here. And I was up at 2.30 in the morning watching it and just absolutely <laughs> enjoying it. And Dusty Martin's brilliance, that was uh, absolutely awesome. But um, being the president, um, going into next year, um, winning another flag, um, are there any expectations going into next year or are you just kind of what happens happens type of type of look at, at the club? Well, I think um, you're always hopeful. I don't know if it's expectation. Um, the longer that I've been involved with football and the more games I've gone to, I've sort of come to expect nothing um, in the sense of the game just reveals itself as it goes along. You, you don't, you hope no one gets hurt, but sometimes people are injured and that changes your plan. Um, we have a, a, a great core team that's still hanging together. Our, our top 22 are all still are going to be there next year. Ivan Soldo, our Ruckman, uh, you know, did an ACL, so he's going to be out all of next year. So that's going to be a bit different. He wasn't in the grand final um, and he wasn't even in the preliminary final, but um, uh, so that's one of our our star players who won't be there, but we've had a, a great ability to identify talent and bring the young guys through. And again, role playing, they play their role and they step in when someone's injured. So, um, so I, I think we should be able to be highly competitive again. Uh, I think everyone aims for top four. Um, it makes a bit nervous when people start expecting things to happen and you think, is that us? And can we buy into it? But people are pretty level-headed and, and I think that the great competitive nature of, you know, we're not done yet. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity to keep going and there will be people who will be playing next year who haven't won a flag. 
who uh, want to have their name on a premiership trophy as well. So, um, so I think we'll, we'll compete hard. Uh, we have some great players who are gonna continue through. We'll have some new people come in who are familiar with the Richmond system and, um, and, and are being trained in that sort of way. So uh, I, I, you know, what, what we try to do as a club is to be thereabouts. And I think if you can sustain a, in any year we have a chance to win, that that's what excites fans. That's what players want to be with a group that thinks like that. And um, I don't see any reason that we can't be thereabouts again. Yeah, and I love that. There's no expectations, but just such a good team coming back next year. And, and they're so good at, at making sure that if they do lose players, that they have another young kid coming in. We just recently had the draft. So there's always room for improvement and all that. But um, for me, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the women's game. Um, I'm the coach here, and I've been so excited this last season that we had six Great. players. We had six women who were playing here in Des Moines. So, so I thought, as the president of the Richmond Football Club, um, with the AFLW season on the horizon coming up here really soon, I mean, what's your excitement level for the Richmond Football Club women's team? Do you, do you think they're a little bit better season this year after last year being their inaugural year and having a little bit of struggles, but uh, first-year teams, as that's going to happen? So, um, what are your thoughts in the AFLW season coming up? Uh, well, we've um, made quite a few changes. It's our second year, and um, what you're looking for is improvement. We didn't, we hadn't won any games last year, but then the season was called because of COVID, um, so it wasn't allowed to complete. Um, but this year is going to be nine games plus a three-game um, final series. Uh, last year, I was at the game where Captain Katie Brennan was concussed and she didn't play again for that. It was a terrible concussion, uh, but she's fully recovered now, so she'll be back. Uh, we've had the number one draft pick this year, so it'd be interesting to see how well she does. And, and we're finally seeing a group of um, young women, which she is. She just finished um, high school equivalent and she's 18, mm -hmm. but they've been playing football for a while now. It's not as if they're coming from other sports. You know, she was trained to be a football player. Uh, so I think we'll see a great skill improvement. Uh, we had the number one draft pick the year before, Sophie Moylan. And so, um, so we've got quite a bit of talent and we're starting to see uh, young women who already know the game and don't have to be taught. Uh, we also have a new coach this year who uh, used to be a coach in our men's program. And, uh, and his wife uh, was an Olympic gymnast and coach and she had been working with our women's team. So now we've got the husband-wife team uh, working with our, our women's team. So uh, we also just got the fixture yesterday, and um, we're going to play a number of games at our home ground, the Swinburne Center at Pont Road Oval. And last year we weren't allowed to do that for various reasons, but now with COVID they need a lot of extra grounds. It's, it's, it doesn't have as great a seating capacity. It has standing capacity. And last year they wanted to have places where people could uh, could sit and, uh, and it wasn't ticketed. But now with COVID again, it's brought forward. You have to have a ticket so you can be traced and all those sorts of things. So, um, so we're going to be playing on our home ground. And I can't wait. Um, we our, our first game is against um, uh, Brisbane on a Sunday in January. So it might be warm, um, but um, but I, but I, I think we'll see great improvement this year. And and I I can't wait to meet all of the all the women because right now we aren't allowed to to mingle as they're in, in sort of the COVID quarantine while they're going through preseason. But um, 
we want we want to have a really successful women's team at Tigerland too. Awesome, and that that's amazing, and it's so great to see the women being embraced and all that. And I'm I'm super excited, and it's kind of the one thing that's sad for me as a Sydney Swans fan is they don't have a women's club yet. And I'm super excited for hopefully they get their license in the next couple of years. But as I've kind of said in a few, I'm kind of a free agent when it comes to a fandom. When it comes to the AFLW, but I will definitely be up and watching the games. I'm super excited for that. And Katie Brennan is one of the elite players in the competition. So I'm hoping she's back and firing this season. But Miss um, O'Neill, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. Uh, it's so awesome to talk to you and see see uh, see an American in a high place in the AF in the AFL. I think this is nothing but great. Um, I did want to, I did have a message from a friend of mine who actually runs a podcast here who um, she runs the AFL obsessed podcast and you are her hero. She absolutely loves you. Um, I'm hoping that she gets a chance to talk to you sometime because in her podcast, she had a superstar um, of her podcast and you were her first. So she was super, super excited about that. In fact, she, oh, that's very nice to know. She was, she was over the the moon when she heard I actually had this opportunity. So uh, Rosanna, this is a, uh, a quick shout out to you. Um, I'm hoping that you and Miss Miss O'Neill can get together and have a conversation about women in football. Um, she's an absolutely bubbly personality. I'm hoping to talk to her for this series here in the next couple of weeks when she gets everything figured out. But I want to thank you again so much for this conversation. It's been absolutely awesome. I hope everything stays well down in Victoria. I'm crossing my fingers that things get kind of figured out up here. Um, um, and I would love to have another chat with you sometime soon, if that would be possible. Um, so, so thank you very much for this opportunity. That'd be great. Just let me know. Always happy to talk about the Tigers. Awesome. Awesome. And AFL fans, this has been another conversation in the USAFL and AFL fan series. Uh, that'll be it for this episode. Everybody have a good night.